So I'm currently sitting on a bench near my favorite lake in a small Victorian town in Pennsylvania. I go back a long ways with this town. I used to live here actually, but before that, as a kid, we gravitated here as a family because of its beauty. The lake itself was man-made back in the late 1800s, and since then, generations of people come here to fish in the summer months, ice skate in the winter months, and just to walk around its perimeter and observe the multitudes of waterfowl that land here and rest here all year long. For me, this lake was also a stopping point as well. I grew up just about four miles from here. I actually had some very old 8mm movie footage of me here being chased by ducks. <laughs> They'd often catch me and bite my hand looking for more bread, which we would feed them. As I grew older, I'd come here to play ice hockey and eventually became a destination for me to run to and to bike to. To my left, my 9 o'clock, is a brick building that serves as a community space when the doors are open during the Victorian Town Fair and the 4th of July celebrations, among other events. I still call that building the Duck House because back in the day, they let ducks from the lake stay inside there. And at my 11 o'clock is the bridge that was recently repaired, and I say recently, probably 15, 20 years ago. And from my 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, there are houses behind the trees around the perimeter of the lake, and behind me is an elementary school, fields, and a playground. There's a water fountain at the center of the lake, spraying water roughly 20 feet upwards, and if you listen closely, you can hear the water surging from the nozzles. And just to the right of that, on the far side of the lake, to the right, like I said, is a gaggle of Canadian geese periodically chasing each other in the water. There is also a gaggle of geese next to the pump house, roughly at 10 o'clock, of where I am sitting right now on the far left-hand side of the pond. These geese are mostly on the grass next to the pump house, which supplies the power to the fountain. In this area, the geese are eating, resting, and they seem more calm than the others, almost as if they are the adults and the others are juveniles acting up. At roughly 9 o'clock to 9.15 each morning, if you come here, they arrive sometimes three or four together, sometimes 20 or more. And we will probably hear them as we sit here together and talk. We get the four seasons in this part of the East Coast of the United States, here in Pennsylvania. Winter, spring, summer, and fall, all of which are beautiful to see. I can sense it happening slowly. It's been cooler recently. And if I look closely, I can see single leaves beginning to turn colors in the maples and the river birch. The tall oaks show no sign of winter yet, but they will soon. It makes me happy to see all this because I know it's coming next. My favorite time of the year, autumn, the falling leaves, the crisp chill in the air, the acorns falling from the numerous oaks, and the squirrels going bananas to store as much food as they can for the winter. This is all right around the corner, but for now, it's only slightly in the air today, and it is beautiful out. The Boy Scouts are also here today doing a project at the far end of the lake to the right. There's an old boathouse down there, and they are uh, cutting down some trees, overgrowth, and uh, working hard, so we're going to probably hear some chainsaws going as well. And the airport isn't too far either. And it looks like uh, the jets are taking off uh, south into the wind, so we're going to hear them. And over by the train tracks, it sounds like they might be doing some repairs, and so we'll probably hear that. And along with that, we will hear Amtrak trains running up and down the Northeast Carter. And that noise you're hearing in the background, that high-pitched noise, that buzzing noise, that is thousands and thousands of cicadas. They're an annual cicada, the uh, Dog Day Cicada, I believe. And... Um, that's, uh, that's the males making a noise. They're trying to attract the females. And uh, listen to the love. <laughs> it's all around us. Stephanie. My attention is diverted back to the pump house here because it is there the most significant event in my life took place. Right there, that spot, right over there, that is where my wife and I got married. It made sense to us, to me, but man, did it rock the boat for the religious in my family. But me, well, I'm not really religious, so <laughs> what can I say? But I am a spiritual guy, 
And so it was, a beautiful ceremony, not within the confines of a church, but instead on the banks of this beautiful lake surrounded by the God-given beauty of this earth. I do belong to a church though, and I do like the feeling of fellowship. The wedding went flawlessly. I came down bright and early in the morning and uh, with my shovel and my broom, and I policed the area for random goose turds, bagged them up, and I got home in plenty of time to, to get ready. And uh, as if we trained the geese and swans perfectly, they slowly sailed by just as the minister said to me, you may now kiss the bride, which made for excellent photos. We said vows during the ceremony, something like, I, Tony, take thee, O lucky one, <laughs> to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for potential baldness and obesity and in sickness and in health during soccer, ice hockey, and football season, when my attention span may possibly divert it for the more important things like your angelic voice speaking to me about something that might interest you, and maybe less so to me. And also to love and cherish you and to give foot massages periodically and to go on random sporadic trips to air shows and the beach or late night cheesesteak and donut runs till death do us part as long as we both shall live. Amen. Or something close to that. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what they were, but it's close, I think. And although my wife will definitely disagree on that one, I, I think I like that. You see, uh, I'm sitting here recalling that day and it seems like forever ago, but it really wasn't that long. And for the better or the worst part, I mean, that happens in a marriage, what are you gonna do? And for the richer, for poorer, that certainly happens. And the sickness and in health part, well, that's the one we have problems with because uh, that's the hardest part of all and sometimes still is for us. Marriage is hard enough on its own. I mean, you're committing yourself to each other for the long haul because of love. You've walked the earth and found a significant other and something about them captivated you to the point you reach an agreement, a contract to be made with them exclusively without a return policy or, or warranty to help each other out to be teammates, to fight together through a crap load of adversity, both financial and health-wise. And no kidding, it's a hard task. Just look at the percentages of failed marriages. I mean, it's easy to throw in a towel during the hard times. Quitter, quitter, asset splitter. <laughs> I'm making a joke about that, but I also know that it does get really serious sometimes, and getting out of a bad situation is the only option. I get that. And I understand that sometimes you may not have a choice, and it's probably the best thing, and there are unique situations for everything. And I am far, far from being a marriage counselor or an expert on relationships. I can only tell you about me. Fact is, marriage is really hard sometimes, and there are so many stressors. Sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it takes a lot of work on both sides. A lot of understanding and a desire to keep it working. And love, let's not forget about love. But thinking back to that specific moment, that ceremony, right there, not 50 yards from where I now sit, well, it was the best thing I've ever done. No one can predict what's in store for ourselves in life. Sometimes stuff just happens, like it did for us, like it does for everyone. For me, for you, everybody. Adversity is non-discriminatory. It hits us all. I had this conversation recently with a buddy of mine about how stuff happens. Like me, it's happened to him. For me, it was similar. One day I was on top of the world, or so I thought, and next day I had a crazy diagnosis that changed my life forever. So what can you do about it? I often ask people encountering adversity if they have faith if they were spiritual at all. Their answers were varied, not overwhelming in the spiritual department like I thought they'd be. But the one thing they all have in common is a never surrender attitude. And that is something I really admire because I fully understand. It is not an easy mindset to have. When I was first diagnosed with my heart problem, uh, I gotta tell you, man, I was literally blown away. Mentally, I was a flat out mess. My wife and I just purchased a home right here in this beautiful town. We had a year and a half old daughter and my wife was six months pregnant with our second child. And we had a mortgage, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't good. 
And with that heart diagnosis, that also exasperated a lifelong anxiety and depression problem I was dealing with. And suddenly, the combination of both became the perfect storm within me. I soon found myself at the bottom of a dark and deep pit with no idea how I was getting out, if ever. So what do you do in that situation? I felt like a complete failure. Not for anything I purposely did, but simply because stuff happens. And it happened, and it happened to me, big time, and I was no longer the provider. And when that type of pressure happens to you, you got several choices, most of which are not choices in my book, because I've never quit anything, and I wasn't about to start then. As far as I was concerned, I had a lifelong fight on my hands. But I also realized I couldn't do it alone. I needed help. Then I did something I never do. I actually asked advice from somebody, from a friend. He told me that as long as he's known me, I've been out there helping others, and maybe it's time to let other people help me. And then he said something about God only giving us as much as we can handle. And I told him, <laughs> God must think very highly of me because he's been very generous in his giving recently. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got to this point, right? So besides talking to my cardiologist, I reached out again and I talked to another doctor who specializes in helping people get through adversity. And together with my cardiologist, they became my dream team. And they are the reason why I'm sitting here today on this bench, having a one-on-one -on -one talk with you and sharing the story with you because I couldn't even talk about this before. I couldn't talk about it for the longest time. I couldn't even think about it. But with time and talking it out, I understood things better. I understood that sometimes stuff just happens, and it's nobody's fault. It just happens. And all you can do is find a way through the storm, concentrate on the positive things in life, regardless if they look small to you. You still focus on them, on the good to weather the bad. For me, that influx of thoughts seemed most active at 2 or 3 a.m., when I suddenly found myself awake, staring at a ceiling in the darkness, looking over at my wife sleeping soundly, I lay there and think about everything, overthink, overanalyze, worry, 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 feel the fear of concerns that may or may never come to fruition, and may or may not even be a realistic concern. I'm thinking you know exactly what I'm talking about. But there were things I began to do to help myself with this. Besides talking to the dream team, I tried to catch myself being negative and change the thoughts immediately. It doesn't always go as planned. It's a process. And the other thing I ended up doing is a personal thing that worked for me and may not work for you. I looked deeply inward and questioned my beliefs, my spirituality. I basically called myself out. You see, my entire life I was raised believing in God. I was told to go to church. I was sent to a religious grade school and high school. All of that not my choice. So, what was my choice? Did I and do I believe in God? And if so, then what the heck am I worrying about for if God takes care of everything? Question mark. Easier said than done, and I'm working on all of that. But I do have a cool relationship with the man upstairs, and that's a big help for me. And back to this place, this beautiful lake and why I'm sitting here, because I couldn't come here for the longest time. It reminded me of everything I used to be. The athletic runner, the ice hockey player, the bicyclist, logging miles and listening to my workout tapes, Metallica's Black Album or the police, Ghost in the Machine. I had a handful of my arsenal that gave me the mental fuel to finish my workout strong. And then one day, something special happened here. Besides my wedding and feeding ducks here and getting bit, there was one night I had the place all to myself. It was a frigid night in February. Dangerous wind chills. The lake was ready for skating. The surface was flat and smooth and frozen. Not chunky yet from the overuse. It was smooth and fast when I got out here in late in the evening, about 11 o'clock at night. I remember telling myself not to go out there. Right out there towards the middle where the fountain is. But I did. It wasn't smart. There was a full moon, the sky was starlit, my lungs hurt from the cold as I skated, the surface was like black glass, the moon reflecting on its surface. 
I remember being thankful for that moment, for the ability to be out there skating, to know how to skate, to be able to play and experience ice hockey. And then I remember thinking of a friend who was recently diagnosed with a health problem that could no longer play. And I thought of him and how bad that must feel for him to give up something he loves so much, the game of hockey that I love so much. And I swore right then and there, at that moment, that I would never take any time on the ice for granted. Because in life, anything can happen. Nothing lasts forever. It's all temporary. And so it was. A new outlook was born that night. And I remember skating faster and harder and flying out there. The frigid wind in my face, my eyes tearing from the cold, my lungs hurting, burning, heart pounding. It was perfect. And then, a loud, deep groan bellowed from beneath my feet. <laughs> the ice was reminding me it wasn't even a little bit smart to be on it this late at night, alone. I was out in the middle. The groan erupted once again along with a cracking, echoing sound that seemed to tear the ice in front of me and behind me. I sprinted as fast as I could towards the duck house, right there in front of us now. I never skated so hard in my life, legs pumping, heart pounding. It was getting closer, the land, and suddenly I was there, stumbling up the bank. I rolled and landed on my back, and I stared out at the perfect ice. I smiled and laughed lightly, hardly being able to breathe. And I remember looking up at the stars as I lay on my back and whispering, thank you for the save. I thought about how perfect it all was, that time to think, the new perspective, the big save, and after that, I had about 10 good years of playing in my future before it stopped. That was what helped me, that memory, that new perspective, because I knew I played hard. I enjoyed every game I ever got to play in. I appreciated every chance I got to lace them up, because I knew then, as I know now, that nothing lasts forever, because stuff happens all day long. And that's why I make certain I appreciate the little things each and every day, because we never know what tomorrow may bring. So hey, I really enjoyed talking with you today. Oh, <laughs> telling some deep stuff. I really appreciate you being here, seriously. Uh, I hope you don't mind me talking so much. I like talking to people, as you can tell. And I'm Tony, and this was Finding Subjects. Until next time, thank you. Thank you very much.